as we noted uh, earlier uh, in the service, uh, we're in the midst of a three-part uh, stewardship uh, series that we're calling uh, uh, Giving with Joy. Indeed, it was Jesus himself who said that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And it was the Apostle Paul right, writing to the Corinthians who said that God loves a cheerful giver. And so in the New Testament, uh, giving is often described as a, as a blessing uh, and a joy. Uh, and of course, as we saw last week, not everyone uh, sees it that way. Indeed, last week we took some time to talk about the fearful keeper. But this morning we're talking about uh, the cheerful giver. Now, last week we, we noted that there are, are three fears, at least three fears, that plague the, the fearful keeper. And the first was that uh, God can't be trusted. I mean, in church, we talk about that, you know, God is good and God is good all the time. Uh, but for the fearful keeper who can't let loose of his money in the way in which uh, God would have him or her do, uh, part of the problem is, is a, a concern about whether God can be trusted. And then the second fear, as we noted it, was that, that trusting God with my finances will make my life worse rather than better. And then the final fear that if, if, if I trust God with my finances and give him what he wants me to give, I'll never be satisfied with what I have left. Interestingly enough, what we find with the cheerful giver is that the experience of the cheerful giver turns out to be the very opposite of the experience of the fearful keeper. It's almost like a photographic negative. A cheerful keeper is not plagued by three fears, but rather energized by three beliefs. And the first belief is that God can be trusted. <laughs> Indeed, one of the primary personal characteristics of a cheerful giver is that, is that the cheerful giver believes that God can be trusted. As we noted uh, last week, John Stott in his book, A People My Teachers, wrote this. He said it's precisely because God is faithful that faith in him or trust in him makes sense. For there's no one more faithful or trustworthy than God. And so the cheerful giver trusts God. And if, if God can be trusted and God says it's more blessed to give than to receive, then the cheerful giver gives because he really trusts God. And, and indeed, the cheerful giver is a true believer. Last week, we noted that the uh, English word believe is actually a, con uh, is a combination of two other English words, buy and live, or if you like, live by. And so to really believe something, to really hold something as a truth that you believe, is to live according to that belief, to, to order our lives uh, after it. Uh, some years ago, uh, uh, Linda and I were members uh, at uh, St. Paul's Cathedral in Fond du Lac. I was in between ministries at the time, uh, and I did some teaching and some preaching there. I think one of the uh, greatest compliments I've ever received was something that Linda overheard a woman say at coffee hour after I had uh, preached uh, at, the, at, the, at, the sermon, at the service. And she was saying uh, to, her, to her little group of friends there at coffee hour, about me. He really believes this stuff. <laughs> and so and so the cheerful giver uh, really believes. Uh, the, the cheerful giver gives not based 
uh, on a, a, a private notion of what is generosity? Because we can, by the way, always talk ourselves into imagining that whatever it is that we give is generous or that whatever we give uh, is pleasing to God. Rather, the, the cheerful giver gives because he or she trusts God in the way that God wants. With the tithe, of course, being as the, the biblical starting place. Not fearfully, not giving the tithe with fear, but joyfully and expectantly. Uh, not sparingly and, and giving in a way that makes no significant shift or change or transformation in his or her life, but rather generously and abundantly and faithfully. And all of that because what? God is faithful. And so the cheerful giver gives uh, because the cheerful giver believes that God can be trusted and what he says can be trusted. Secondly, the cheerful giver believes that obeying God leads to better things, that obeying God leads to better things. Indeed, uh, last week we noted the two scriptures, one, 1 Samuel 2 and, and verse 30, uh, in which God says, those who honor me, I will honor. Those who honor me, I will honor. And then of course, Jesus's famous words, which are not uh, actually recorded in the gospel, but recorded by the apostle Paul, uh, which Luke, by the way, or Paul said it, but Luke recorded it, when Paul was talking to the elders in, in Ephesus, in Acts chapter 20 and verse 35, where Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so in the scriptures, God promises both to bless and to honor those who honor him with their lives, which of course includes their giving. And so the cheerful giver gives in the way that God wants, believing that obeying God leads to better things, namely divine honor, and divine blessing <laughs> and the, and those who who do it know that that's true indeed it absolutely uh, leads to blessing and divine divine favor in fact as we noticed uh, last week in that famous passage of malachi chapter 3 and verse 10 uh, this is what paul says about the tithe the, the tithe the 10 percent, the dreaded tithe giving 10% of all that God gives to us. Notice God gives all of it to us. He's just asking us to manage some of it back to him, to get things done in the world that only we can finance and which is, which is close and dear to his heart. In fact, what it is that he's trying to get done in the world. But uh, Malachi 3 and 10, and God says through the prophet Malachi, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Not part of it, but all of it that there may be food in my house or in my temple, all the things that are required in order for worship to take place in the temple are the way that I want it to take place. And then he says, with regards to that, that regards to that sacrifice, in regards to you, you and I giving that, he says, and then put me to the test and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until you have no more need, until you have no more need. And so the cheerful giver believes that obeying God leads to better things, going from me holding on to what God wants to me giving to God what he wants and me finding him honoring me and providing for me uh, and blessing me in ways uh, that couldn't take place before that. Finally, the cheerful giver believes that God's provision is enough. 
The fearful, the fearful keeper is concerned that if he obeys God and gives God what he wants, he won't be happy with the rest. But the cheerful giver knows that God will be that uh, that the that he or she will be uh, happy and satisfied with what God provides. As we noted uh, last week, the writer to the Hebrews in Hebrews chapter thirteen and verse five wrote this to the believing community to which he was writing. He said, "Keep your life free from the love of money." You know, loving it so much, God can't have it. He gives it to you, but you love it so much. And that's a problem, by the way, and a central characteristic of idolatry, and that is loving God's gifts more than we love God. And one way to, to turn that round is to give to God what he wants. Imagine a child of yours and you you give you give them a bunch of a bunch of things and so forth, and you say, Hey, you know what? Let me have a let me have one of those French fries, and they slap your hand and say, and they say, Mine mine and that's perhaps what we do with god god gives us everything that we have he asks for 10 percent back and we tell him it's mine but the writer to the hebrews says keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have and here's the promise for god has said i will never leave you nor forsake you and so the cheerful giver gives, knowing that God will never forsake him, never forsake her. Indeed, the cheerful giver gives faithfully and obediently and cheerfully and without fear. I quoted um, Jennifer Rothschild last week in her great book, Lessons I Learned in the Dark. She, the, the significance of the, uh, of the title is that she lost her eyesight um, uh, in her late teens. Uh, and so that and that was many decades ago. And uh, she sings and and is a very committed Christian person. Has written several books, but in in her first book, I think it was her first book, Le Lessons I Learned in the Dark. She said this. She said, "Faith is facing your fears and acting on with, uh, acting on what you know is right, and as a result, finding faith's rewards." And so the cheerful giver gives faithfully and obediently, and joyfully and without fear but facing any fear that might keep us from obeying God and giving to God what he wants and finding as a result, face reward. Indeed, the testimony of everyone I've ever met who is a faithful uh, a financial giver and beginning with the tithe is that God is able, just, just to quote from the apostle Paul when he wrote to the Ephesians, that God, that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Or something as counterintuitive as what St. John of the Cross said. He said that all good things come to me now, now that I no longer seek them for myself. God, you, you want your tenth? Here it is. Have what you want, Lord. You're my Lord. I owe you everything. It's in you that I live and move and have my being. Here's your 10%. It's a pleasure, Lord. And then you find that everything that you need is provided. There's a very interesting verse in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 24, in which it says, and one gives freely and yet grows all the richer. And another withholds what he should give and own only suffers want. And so when we obey God and trust him with our finances, there's never any need to worry. And God's provision is always enough. And so Paul writes, as, as Beverly read it for us in, in 2 Corinthians 9, beginning at verse 6. He says, with regards, he's talking about giving. 
uh, to, to ministry. He says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Of course, the, the metaphor uh, uh, of giving here that Paul, that Paul uses is the sowing of seed. We would think of planting seed in, in a field, whatever the crop was, wheat or barley or, or whatever it is that's being grown. If you sow the seed sparingly, you're going to have a pathetic field. When it comes time for harvest, when the harvest, the day of harvest comes, when the day of judgments comes. But if you sow, if you sow abundantly, th then your your uh, your crop and your field, your life uh, will be beautiful and abundant. Uh, indeed, the danger that Paul is talking about here is not giving is not giving too much. The danger is giving too little. Because we reap with God whatever it is that we sow with God. And if we sow a little with God, we will reap just a little with God. But if we sow much with God, we reap much with God. It's the story of the, uh, in, the in our gospel of the of the man that was a very successful businessman in an agrarian society. So he had a, a, a farm and the, 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 the crop was just uh, so abundant. He thought, well, I could I could uh, live off of, of the proceeds from this for for years and I'll tear down my own barns and build greater ones and so forth. He was rich in, in his uh, in uh, his business. And, and, and he thought, well, then I'll just take early retirements. And then God said, you fool, because now your life is required of you. And now you'll stand before me and we'll take a look at your life and see you brought nothing in. You take nothing out. Let's take a look at your character, because that's what I'm always looking for. Uh, I'm looking for goodness. I'm looking for faithfulness. And Jesus said, and such is the experience or will be for the man or the woman who's rich in things, but poor with God. And so Paul continues, verse seven, he says, and each one of us must give as he as he has decided in his heart. Think it through what you're going to do. Uh, think it through what you're going to do and not reluctantly. Oh, I don't want to do it or under compulsion. Oh, people are pressuring me. For God loves a cheerful giver. <laughs> Make it between you and him. You're giving ultimately. You can, I mean, you can't give God any money. You can't you can't you can't serve God directly. We serve God by serving others. We give to God by supporting his mission and ministry in the world. This is true of you as it is true of me. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. And so that having all sufficiency, everything that you need, in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. He's going to give you what you need to keep on being generous. He's going to give you what you need to keep on abounding in giving. As it is written, he has distributed it freely. He has given to the poor his righteousness endures forever. Verse 10. And he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. And increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way. And be generous. To be generous in every way. Now, next Sunday, as we mentioned earlier, uh, in this annual stewardship uh, series that we're in, uh, we'll, we'll all be given an opportunity uh, to uh, fill out a pledge card, a pledge of our of our uh, uh, our support, 
to the to the uh, work and ministry of Holy Cross Church. As I've uh, as I have said uh, uh, in years past, the most exciting part of the of the end gathering for me is that I get to participate in it. In fact, um, um, my commitment and and Linda's commitment, and this has been so now for just a couple of years, uh, at this particular level, is 10% of our income to the ministry of the church, and then another 5% uh, of our income are dedicated to the 10 uh, other ministries that we support on a monthly uh, and regular basis. Uh, and I have to tell you that uh, that doing that, both giving to the work of the church locally, to my local church, your local church, uh, and to giving giving to others and taking other opportunities uh, to give. Because why? What, what what does Jesus say? It's more blessed to give than to receive. This giving has been an extraordinary blessing. I, I wouldn't uh, give it up, and I don't think Linda would either. Uh, and it's not as because we're especially rich, although all of us are rich, uh, by a the, by a world economy uh, standard, um, but it's because we're committed to God and we know what God has asked and we know that everything comes from God uh, and we're happy to give Him what He wants and maybe a little bit more. Uh, in fact, uh, even when we were first married and when we were married at the time, I still was in school and I was working uh, as a courier in Dallas and Linda was working uh, as a designer in a small firm. We didn't work making any money to speak of but we were both committed to the to the principle of the tithe and so that was always a given uh, and so we never gave anything less uh, than 10 percent and you know what god did <laughs> god honored it and god blessed and so if you're under the uh, mistaken idea that this principle is only for people who can spare 10 percent, it's not about giving what you can spare it's about actually giving what perhaps you might need or you might think you need, but giving God what he asks for and finding out that not only can you live on the arrest, but he, but he will pr provide abundance to to allow you to continue to, to give in a way that is honoring to him and the way that he gives, which is always in generosity. So how about you? Maybe you've never taken, maybe you've never made that commitment before you've heard about it, you've certainly heard about it at least as many years uh, as I've been at Holy Cross, and yet you've never taken that, made that commitment. Someone has written, if you want something you've never had, you have to do what you've never done. And you, I don't think if, you, if you're not willing to trust God with your money, you're always going to live in fear. But when you trust him, it's, a, it's amazing uh, what an effect that has on fearfulness. Indeed, if you've never made this commitment, I want to encourage you to make it. You do you, you this next week. If you're a single person, you sit down and think about what is it that I make and what would 10% look like? Or uh, if you're married, just sit down with your spouse and say, hey, you know, what do we got coming in? Let's, you know what, let's do something radical. Let's do something faithful. And, and let's, uh, let's give God, let's give God his 10th. And what would, what would that be? Then figure that out. And when we do the in-gathering, you, you fill that out, you fill out your card as Linda and I are filling, filling it out and pledge that to the ministry of the church and watch God bless you and watch your faith grow. In fact, somebody has written that faith is like a muscle and the more you exercise it, the stronger it grows. And so don't think of the in-gathering, the annual in-gathering as an onerous obligation, 
but think of it as an opportunity for you and for us to grow in faith. The cheerful giver. Let us pray. What an opportunity, Lord, to do something extraordinary, to do something faithful, <coughs> to do something counterintuitive, at least counterintuitive to the way the world thinks, because the way in which the world thinks is that keeping <laughs> and grasping and holding and fearing and worrying is the way to be happy. And yet you say that the way to be happy in you is, is to give as you give, to obey, uh, to find freedom in obedience. In fact, as uh, Cramner wrote, and as we pray uh, in the prayers of the prayer book, that to serve you is perfect freedom. Uh, but only those who do that know that it's true. And so, Lord, help us uh, to trust in you and to let go of those idols that can never satisfy those idols that can never save, but to cling to you and to honor you with our lives, to honor you in public, to honor you in private, to honor you with our time, to honor you with our service, and to honor you with our treasure in a way uh, that is worthy of your name. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.